You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. These are people that confess to know Christ. These are people that may even be genuinely saved. I don't know. I am not, that's between, I don't know the answer to that. But these are people that have a form of godliness. They may attend church. They may say, I'm a Christian. But there'll be no self-control. If we do these things, then our prayer life continues to be effective. Listen, if I don't maintain a clear conscience and maintain self-control, what kind of prayer life do I have? What kind of a prayer life? Some people call themselves a Christian. They might even attend church, but they lack self-control. So how can they maintain a clear conscience? With a lack of self-control comes disobedience and sin. How can you keep a clear conscience when you're living in sin? As Pastor Danny points out in his message today, if you're living in sin, then what kind of prayer life do you have? Using your prayer life as a plumb line, you can measure how you're doing with self-control. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with today's edition of The Living Word. Second thing is be self-controlled. Now it's again the same Greek word. The idea is if I have a clear conscience, and, and here's the deal, it's, being, it's having a right mind. It's having a mind that's attuned to truth. That's what the clear conscience is. And if I'm in my right mind, in line with truth, I'm going to naturally develop and maintain self-control. That's what the word means. I'm in my right mind, so I'm naturally going to say no to sinful passions and yes to godliness. Here's what Paul writes, 1 Thessalonians 4, it's God's will that you should be sanctified, just means set apart for God's purposes. That you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that's holy and honorable. Self-control. Now, the downside of this is uh, we are living in the last days. The end of all things is near. And 1 Timothy chapter 3 prophesies what these days, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, chapter 3, prophesies what these days will be like. Verse 1, but mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, etc., etc. But here's the clincher. Get, Get this one. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. What kind of power? The power to make you Christ-like. These characteristics. These are people that confess to know Christ. These are people that may even be genuinely saved. I don't know. I am not, that's between, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> but these are people that have a form of godliness. They may attend church. They may say, I'm a Christian. But there'll be no self-control. <laughs> If we do these things, then our prayer life continues to be effective. Listen, if I don't maintain a clear conscience and maintain self-control, what kind of prayer life do I have? What kind of a prayer life? I mean, even in 1 Peter, back in chapter 3, husbands, verse 7, in the same way be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. That's just feminine. And as heirs with you, the gracious gift of life. Why? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. If I'm not 
being responsible before the Lord in my relationship with my wife, I have no prayer life. God says, well, you, you get that right first, and then, then we'll talk. Then I'll give you a listening ear. You're involved in pornography. There's no prayer life. You talk, there's no effective prayer life. Involved in sexual immorality. No effective prayer life. Cheating on your taxes. What kind of prayer life do you have? No. No. Uh, you're a Christian. You cheated on the exam at school. What kind of prayer life? You see how these things are connected. Clear-minded. Self-controlled. So that you can pray. And then catch this fourth one. Above all. Above all. Love each other deeply. Only one other time that Greek word translated here, love deeply, is used, and it's in Acts 12, 5, when the church is praying for Peter, who's in prison. One translation says they were praying earnestly for him. Another translation says they were praying without ceasing for him. And that's the idea. Earnestly and without ceasing. Uh, Because, listen, (laughs) listen. Hebrews, the writer says, keep on loving each other as brothers. Why? Because love can die. First Thessalonians, now about brotherly love. We don't need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught to love each other. Please listen to this. First John, all through First John, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. 1 John 4, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, understand what this kind of love is. This is not warm, fuzzy feelings. Not that you can't have warm, fuzzy feelings that are from God. There were no warm, fuzzy feelings when God became a man, when uh, Mary conceived uh, the Christ child. And he ended up growing up as a human being in this cursed world. There were no warm, fuzzy feelings when Jesus went to the cross. We're talking about self-denying love. We're talking about self-sacrificing love. We're talking about love that forgives as Christ has forgiven us. That's God's love. It's God's love. By the way, unfortunately, 2 Timothy that I read, 2 Timothy 3 says, in the last days, which we're in, as we get closer to the end, this is going to be rare going to be rare. Jesus said it. Because of the increase of wickedness as we get close to the end, the love of most will grow cold. Let me put a little footnote in here that some of you are not going to like. That's okay. You're having trouble in your marriage, you may even be headed for divorce. Maybe the papers are already signed. But you have no biblical ground for it. And as a matter of fact, even if you, even if you have, you, you're just using it. Because even if you got a biblical ground, God still love to see the thing turn around. If you forgive one another as he's forgiven you. And let me tell you something. You want to stay as far away from me as possible. If you're in a situation, you say, well, I just don't love her anymore. You don't, don't come to me for counsel. You're not going to get anything you want to hear. I know what it is not to love my wife. I know what it is not to love my wife. But I also know what it is to see the grace and power of God change me supernaturally, and I learned to love my wife by faith. You can read our testimony. It's called Learning to Love by Faith. And I'll tell you again, some of you heard it before. I, my wife has light skin and freckles. She goes out in the sun. She look, becomes a lobster. I wasn't physically attracted to that kind of a woman when I was growing up. And, you know, So how in the world we ended up together, I don't know. But let me tell you what's happened. 
I get turned on by lobster. I'm telling you, that's the absolute truth. That is honest to God truth. Now, does that mean I don't have to maintain, maintain, and every day deny self and continue to love by faith? Absolutely. But, I, but thank God, by the grace of God, I got more than just love by faith now. I got feelings. But it's faith that opened the door for the feelings. Faith. Are you hearing me? You hearing the Lord? Don't come to my office. Don't even, you don't even want to call me. If you say, well, I'm just, I, I don't love her anymore. And she doesn't love me anymore. Got to move on. Love deeply. Deeply. And then notice how this next one's connected. I, I never saw how connected all these are. Offer hospitality to one another <laughs> without grumbling. I can't help but read this, and every time I think about a life group leader from years ago, he's gone now, and I don't have to mention the name, and he ended up divorced. Sad situation. And I'm not surprised he's divorced. It was a time when I was going around visiting the life groups. I was recommended by elders or whoever in leadership that I ought to go around and see what's going on in the life groups. But that never worked out because I show up in a life group, it changes everything. Changes everything. But I did it, and I went to visit this one particular life group, and uh, the guy met us at the door, and you had to take your shoes off. Not that that's wrong. That's okay. But I got flat feet, and I can't walk. I mean, I got to have something, but I did it anyway and, and tried to stay seated most of the time. And then at the end of the evening, you know, you had the fellowship and the coffee and stuff, and, and you felt like you were walking through this home on eggshells. You felt like the guy really didn't want you, the host really didn't want you to be there. So I never went back. He cared more about his carpet than he did the kingdom of God. He cared more about his furniture than he did the souls that were sitting on the furniture. Offer hospitality to one another. And it's interesting, he said, without grumbling. I'll bet every time the, the group left that guy's home, he was just grumbling. Kind of like the story of the couple that invited some people over for dinner. And the, the, the daughter was asked by the mother, would you like to say grace? Would you like to say prayer for the for the meal and the young daughter said I wouldn't know what to say and the mom said well just say what you hear your mother say and so everybody bowed their head and the young girls began to pray and said oh dear lord why did I invite all these people for dinner (laughs) oh you're showing hospitality but not without grumbling please in the last few minutes hear this I had a dream for Calvary Chapel St. Petersburg early on in my ministry here and it's still a dream of mine. I just don't know if it'll ever be realized. And I'm speaking to myself. I'm not preaching it. You know, I'm speaking to myself too. And the dream is that we'd actually experience what they experienced in the book of Acts. Life will be difficult. It's inevitable and part of being a resident of this fallen world. The question then becomes, how do you handle unexpected trials? Through this study in the book of 1 Peter, Pastor Danny has been encouraging you to take your troubles to your Savior. He cares for you and is the strength and comfort that you crave. Are you facing an unexpected or frustrating situation today? Can we pray for you? There's strength in lifting one another up in prayer, and we're honored to do that for you. Send us an email at info at ccf ccfstpete.church. Would you pray for us here at The Living Word too? As our ministry grows, we always want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and our ideas second. His guidance is what we need. Would you pray that we'd recognize His voice always? 
Thanks for praying. Do you live in or near St. Petersburg? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. We gather on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. And your presence would be such a blessing to us. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to hear another message from Scripture right here on The Living Word.